0: podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. We are continuing with the lockdown theme this week. I am coming to you from the duvet fort once more and you are sadly stuck with me for the entire episode. This week's episode is called The Trouble with Truby King. It's by press reporter Kate Broughton, and as you may have guessed, it's about the Plunkett Society, which was founded by Sir Truby King. Plunkett is an institution in New Zealand, and while it's familiar to almost everyone, beloved by a lot of people, Kate's story is about the lesser-known, unsavoury side of the society. Truby King was, by many accounts a white supremacist, and he founded Plunkett on these principles. His famous regimen of feeding, sleeping and changing infants was developed to ensure that mothers nurtured good, strong, healthy white babies who grew into good, strong, healthy white adults who would strengthen and preserve what he called the master race. It's a history that is well established but not widely known and it's one that Plunkett has only recently begun to confront. So here, read by me, is Kate Broughton's story, The Trouble with Truby King. In 1906, Hera Allison gave birth to her last baby, Thomas Langawahia Mutu Allison, known in the Fano as Mutu, or last born. But Hera, who had already given birth to at least seven children, had trouble breastfeeding Mutu. She'd lost a baby a year earlier, so this time two women, Mary Harper and Ria Tekini, stepped in. Both were known as midwives and healers in the village of Karatane on the Otago coast. Harper was a neighbour of Dr Truby King, the medical superintendent of the nearby Seacliff Lunatic Asylum. The pair took Mutu to King and asked him to help. King and his wife, Bella, took the child in. He thrived under their care and, months later, was returned to his whānau. This work by King with Mutu and other infants would form his greatest legacy. By 1907, he and his wife had taken in 13 emaciated babies and transformed them back to full health, with the use of formula and King's regimented program of feeding, sleeping and excreting by the clock. The same year, a new society was established, driven by King, and supported by a host of influential women, dedicated to the well-being of mothers and their newborns. It took its name from one of King's wealthy benefactors, Lady Victoria Plunkett. Over the next century, the Plunkett Society became an established part not just of early childhood care, but the wider New Zealand culture as well. King's system of mothercraft was credited with dramatically reducing infant mortality rates in the first half of the 20th century. Plunkett became synonymous with motherhood, childhood, and life itself. If you were born in New Zealand in the last hundred years, there's a good chance that you and most of the people you know were Plunkett babies. But the success hid a darker truth. Plunkett was a product of colonial white New Zealand and its beneficiaries were overwhelmingly Pākehā mothers and babies. Many of the celebrated statistics around reduced infant mortality didn't even count Māori infants. Successive governments, while supporting Plunkett as a quasi-state institution, marginalised Māori mothers, babies and whānau through legislation. The Infants Act, 1908, and the Native Land Act, 1909, ended the practice of fainga ū, or breastfeeding another Fano member's child. And the new Native Health Nursing Service, woefully under-resourced compared to Plunkett, entrenched well-child services along racial lines. And at the heart of it was Truby King, whose theories on motherhood and child care are based on a profoundly racist ideology. In the years after Plunkett was formed, King wrote and spoke extensively about his desire to strengthen and protect the race. In one speech, he railed against the danger of racial degeneracy as civilization weakened women's instincts and removed men from the hardy virtues of a natural life. In a 1917 article in the Otago Witness, He warned that with the loss of so many of its strongest, bravest and most spirited men in World War I, the white race was in danger of exterminating itself and needed to redouble our attention to motherhood and mothercraft. The most fundamental factor of racial efficiency, King wrote, is the ensuring of strong, healthy mothers who will nurse their babies in their own homes. King's motivations were laid bare in a 1981 article in the New Zealand Journal of History, Truby King and the Plunkett Society, by the historian Eric Olson. For decades, the awful truth was an open, if not widely known, secret. Thomas Mutu Allison, who King cared for back in 1906, worshipped King for saving his life, according to his son David. Before he died in 1986... Mutu asked David to get the history corrected, but even then he was more concerned that pioneers like Mary Harper and Ria Takini were absent from Plunkett's origin story than any wider whitewashing of the society's history. But the further Plunkett got from its past, the larger it loomed. King's racism and Plunkett's legacy of segregated childcare in New Zealand was inescapable. More than a century after its birth, the society set about acknowledging its history and realigning its future. That included resurrecting the story of Harper and Takini and baby Mutu as a parable of bicultural harmony. It's one thing for an organisation to confront the racism of a founding father. It's another to have that racism guide its evolution over a century at least one critic believes Plunkett is hopelessly compromised. Quote, They're trying to recycle a white supremacist organisation. They should close it up and put it into something better. Last year, a statement on Plunkett's website about its founder, Sir Truby King, was amended. He played an important role in the founding of Plunkett. However, he also held a number of views on eugenics, race and women's roles, which Fano Afina Plunkett fully rejects. We acknowledge that our own whakapapa includes a legacy which has caused harm to Fano Māori and apologise for their influence on some early Plunkett policies and processes and any harm these caused. The acknowledgement was driven by current Plunkett chief executive Amanda Malu. King's view, she said, was very much a white supremacist view. He believed in that notion of a master race. But there is more to Plunkett than its founders' deeply troubling ideology, she says. The story of Thomas Allison's care by King, Harper and Takini is a classic example of bicultural community, family and professional partnership. Biculturalism is in our DNA, Malu says. It was a bicultural practice, if you look at the players, Meri, Ria and him. They were working in a bicultural way and he went on to set up the Katatane Centre and they worked there and I think there was a level of mutual respect there. Still, King's racism has caused harm to Māori over the years. Outcomes for Māori and Pacifica Fano remain significantly lower than for other ethnic groups. Since 2019, Mālu has set about making Māori and Pacifica Fano, Pepe and Tamariki a top priority for the organisation. But why were things allowed to be so wrong for so long? Malu says over the decades, local Pākehā communities rallied and fundraised to support the much-loved service provided by Plunkett nurses. This meant the service wasn't culturally sensitive to non-Europeans. A recent damning review by the Ministry of Health of the Well Child Tamariki Order WCTO programme, of which Fano Afina Plunkett is the largest provider, found it had failed to deliver care to Māori, Pacifica, disabled and state-care children and their whānau. The WCTO programme is a series of scheduled visits by child health nurses to screen and monitor babies and children up to four years old and to provide health, education, support and referrals when needed. Fano Afina Plunkett's contract is for about 85% of the population. The rest is delivered by about 60 Māori, Pacific and public health non-government organisations. The proportion of Māori, Pacific and families living in high-deprivation areas accessing Plunkett service was 79, 83 and 82% respectively in 2019-20. This compared to 91% for European Kiwis. Only between 59 and 66% of people in those three groups, Māori, Pacific, Families in High Deprivation Areas, received all their visits in the first year of life, compared to 75% of non-Māori. Mālu says Fano Afina Plunkett needs to take some responsibilities for the inequities. We had such promising beginnings, she says. With a beautiful bicultural story. And then, between then and now, the organisation really did somehow lose its way. Thousands of women throughout New Zealand have fundraised and marched. But to be really honest, they were mostly Pākehā women. Malu acknowledges government funding has favoured whānau afina Plunkett over others providing kopapa Māori services. The Ministry of Health review confirmed this. Fano Afina Plunkett has set itself a goal of achieving equity by 2025. It has a new name, has redesigned its logo and website, and made a 12-hour online course, being a better treaty partner, a requirement for its 1,100 staff. Three Kaiārahi himari or capability advisers were recruited last year to increase cultural responsiveness. During the nationwide COVID-19 lockdown last year, when home visits weren't possible, the organisation identified Fano with the greatest need and provided remote support. In partnership with Naitahu, Fano Afina Plunkett has set up a $3,000 memorial Merihapa and Ria Tekini Nursing Scholarship for Naitahu descendants. In June, the organisation took 89 clinical leaders to the Puke Terake Marae in Karatane to confront its past, and Malu says, so it can authentically commit to an equitable future. David Allison, Upoku for the Marae, said the event was a wonderful experience and the Marae had adopted the organisation. It's really marvellous what's happened, he says. Alison dismissed King's views as outdated and irrelevant. Those were the thoughts of the day. That was the way things were in those days. But we are doing things differently now. Hi, I'm Carol Hirschfeld, the head of video and audio at Stuff. If you're enjoying our Long Reads podcast, how about contributing to the Stuff supporter programme, You can contribute any amount you choose, and you can do it just once, or monthly, or annually. Direct support from people like you helps us produce the kind of journalism you're listening to right now. Go to stuff.co.nz forward slash support. At least one expert in the Māori health sector isn't convinced of Fano Afina Plunkett's capacity for change. National Hauata Coalition Clinical Director and Leader for Service Design and Development, Dr Rawadi Janssen, has called for the organisation to be defunded and disestablished. I think they're trying to recycle a white supremacist organisation and I don't support it, he says. They're not fit for purpose. They're not fit for our Aotearoa health system going forward. They're not fit to be part of it because of their origin story because of their history of underserving and, in fact, harming Māori and Pacific populations. Jansen met some members of the Plunkett board in March last year and made his views clear. His audience, he says, was shocked. I said they should deliberately, ethically, consciously close it up and put it into something better. And they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to defend their white supremacist origin story. Janssen says the racist history of Plunkett is still evident today. He points to a recent review of an immunisation incentive programme for Māori, delivered by Whānau Afina Plunkett, which found staff involved to be racist. A review of the programme, commissioned by the county's Manukau District Health Board, found, quote, "...implicit and explicit biases as forms of racism were present in both Whānau and staff interviews." The health board said it would work with Fano Afina Plunkett to address the problems. Jansen is unmoved. Plunkett has had the same problems for decades, he says, and needs to go. Plunkett nurses used to come in and do things that were offensive to Māori, he says, come in and undress babies on the table. They were culturally offensive for generations and lots of Māori communities didn't want to have anything to do with them. Now Plunkett is trying to reimagine itself and do a better job. It's failing at it. My point is not trying to test them against doing a better job. The point is they shouldn't be part of our system. Fano Afina Plunkett Trust Chair Dame Fran Wilde rejects Janssen's view. The criticisms of Plunkett, oh, it's a white supremacist organisation, that's just nonsense, she says. It might have been able to be called that at one stage, but actually it's not. The whole health system could be defined in the same way at one stage as well. Wilde says Affina Plunkett was ahead of the pack in trying to make positive changes. All the fano and babies that we care for now wouldn't get any health care if you just closed it down and started a new organisation. I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous notion. Kelly Tikau completed her PhD in Naitahu birthing practices last year. She says Māori lost cultural practices and much of their confidence around birth and child rearing as a result of European settlement and colonisation. Practices such as the use of massage, different positioning in birth, and preparing young men and women for the role of parenthood, were successful and contributed to healthy whānau, she says, but they weren't considered worthy by European colonists. Yes, Takao says, babies did die, but they worked so hard on that not happening because of the need to keep the papa going. Plunkett's move to acknowledge its past and embrace Māori health practices is welcome, she says, but overdue. It's taken way too long and too many people to feel unworthy and the trauma of not having our own knowledge accepted as being useful, not only for ourselves, but for others on the Fenua. Jay Beaumont is among about 60 Māori midwives in the South Island and spokeswoman for Māori midwives Kina At 17, she had the first of her three children, and a Fano Afina Plunkett nurse came to visit her. She says her confidence was undermined by the visits. The organisation will look at what a family is supposed to be doing and try to make it fit into this box, rather than going with what the family needs are, and I hope that's something they can work on. Beaumont says most of her clients choose to go to Kopapa Māori provider Te Pua Waitanga Kiototahi. Many feel Fano Afina Plunkett has a reputation as being authoritative, not engaging, and not home-based. Midwives were responsible for the first visits under the WCTO program, from birth up to six weeks, before referring the Fano to Plunkett or another WCTO provider. Beaumont says poverty, family violence, and accessing health services were the main issues for the whānau she worked with, and these could attract a lot of judgment. Māori women are afraid, she says. They're more afraid of the system than their own circumstances, and so we need to break down those barriers and meet people on the same level so that we can elevate change, because what is happening at the moment is not creating change. In early August, Stuff spoke to Fano Afina Plunkett nurse Candy Woollett and tagged along on a visit to Sasha Robinson and her baby, Sage. Woollett supports Plunkett's change of direction and says most of her colleagues feel the same way. She is now learning much more about Māori culture and the Treaty of Waitangi. In the nursing degree we touch on it, Woolett says, but I can't remember it being a huge thing. So, actually, it's a learning curve. I'm not going to lie. She plans to learn Tereo and is looking forward to completing the online Being a Better Treaty Partner course. Woollett is a priority team nurse. 42% of her cases are Māori. She also sees Pacific whānau and others with complex needs. I go in and respect them and ask them what they want from the service, she says. Try to engage with them early. Sometimes it's hard to engage, or you can't get in touch. But that's this job. Some don't want you, and that's just the reality. Woollett learned about Truby King and his views during a personal development day. I was shocked, she says but not too shocked because he was a man of his time. And while he did some good, he did a hell of a lot more harm, particularly to Māori wahine. And now that it's been acknowledged, it's fantastic. We can help to right those wrongs, I guess. On the day stuff shadowed Woollett. five-month-old Sage was weighed and measured. Robinson and Woollett discussed Sage's progress since a recent chest infection, Robinson said she was concerned Sage wasn't getting enough milk and had been trying to feed more during the day when she wasn't so tired. Robinson says she's had positive experiences with Plunkett for all three of her babies. She remembers a Plunkett nurse supporting her mother with her younger brother. Plunkett has always been at the forefront of my mind, and my husband's as well, she says. They've just been a really good support for us with all of our children. Robinson had no idea about Truby King or his views. She and her husband are Naitahu, but hadn't been brought up with much understanding or connection to their iwi. Now they're working to reclaim this part of their identity for themselves and their children. It's sad to hear that's what the history was, she says. When I reflect back on stories of my Fano and how they were treated, it still hurts. That's a big hurt. We teach our kids, you do a wrong, you make it right. That was The Trouble with Truby King on The Long Read from Stuff, written by Kate Broughton and read by me, Michael Wright. An earlier version of this story incorrectly identified Thomas Mutu Ellison's mother as Nani instead of Hera. This episode was mixed by Sam Scannell and produced by me. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on The Long Read podcast available on all the usual platforms if you like what you heard please give us a five-star rating and a review it helps other listeners find us thanks for listening